the JMU marketing department working overtime here this week, make a Thursday night's women's basketball game, sort of a breakfast club theme with the uh, cereal giveaway, cereal bar thing. I'm, I'm curious to get out there tonight just to see what that's like if uh, they attract a whole bunch of students out to just eat some free cereal before the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you would you. It's not a bad marketing play, and we'll yeah. see if it works. I mean, the, the box looks cool. The box looks cool. Like, yeah, I'm just curious to see what the cereal bar is for, uh, you know, a little bit of a free meal for uh, students that come out. But they're also going to get to see some good basketball because that's what uh, the JMU women have been playing lately now on a 13-game winning streak, I believe. I, be- like, I, I believe I mean, that is correct. It keeps, it keeps going. I keep uh, losing if, track. But If they win tonight, it'd be the first time. And Shauna Regan has won 14 in a row. Yeah. I mean, he's had some long winning streaks in his career. He's had, you know, some big stretches, but they, you know, have also, you know, dropped the game here too, especially on the road um, as as he's been the head coach of, you know, very successful head coach of JMU so far. He, he's, in his career in seven years, he's won 72% of his games overall and 80% of his conference games. Undefeated in conference so far this year. Um Despite taking a little bit of criticism last year after a down season, uh, obviously very successful coach at JMU has this team rolling, and like he said, a chance to have the longest winning streak of his noteworthy career so far. Yeah, and I think that says a lot. You know, JMU women's basketball has been very successful. You know, Kenny Brooks was here; he was an assistant on staff, then got the job, and you know he's been successful in this time. And I think that you know it says a lot about you know first year in a new conference with. A lot of new faces on the team, and, and they're they're they got things to work pretty well, and they're 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 rolling. Yeah, um, we kind of you know hit on this early in the season, and they lost the season opener to Maine, a Maine team that's typically very successful in their conference. Yep. Um, but still, a game I think most JMU fans thought they would win to open the season, and they lost that one. And we talked about it at the time a little bit that you know, traditionally they have a game you know, a loss somewhere in November that's just kind of like, you know, hard to explain. Mm-hmm. And at the time we we're kinda of like, well, if they got that out of the way in the first game, you then know, maybe <laughs> maybe they're gonna go on to do something pretty good. And, you know, that was almost a little bit of a joke, but it kinda of turned out to be true that they um, you know, gathered themselves and you know, talked to I know you talked to Neil Harrow, the the assistant coach recently. I talked to him recently too. And one of the things he said was to me, um you know, if we squeak by and win that game, you know, we're one basket away from winning that game. And if we do, I think maybe there's a lot of problems that don't go, that don't get resolved as soon as they do. Um, he says, you know, we never want to lose, but that was part of our journey. And that was a big thing to, you know, they, they've had one loss to a ranked North Carolina team. Which they were in that since game. For yeah. Most um, of the but since then, you know, they've really just been rolling and winning a lot of close games and not making the same mistakes that they did to lose a close game early on. And I think that says a lot about the team, the coaching staff, and just, you know, where they are right now. Yeah, Regan, after the game, you know, he was disappointed after the main game and kind of, you know, talked about that. And I think that, you know, that that served him well. And, you know, early wake-up calls, sometimes a good thing, and it it worked out for them. Yeah. I mean, mean, the other thing that really jumps out to you when it comes to this women's basketball team is, you know, there's some players who are playing really well. You know, Susha Kozlova's having an all-conference type of season. But – it may be – you have to go back a few years to find a JMU player 
who's played as well overall in just every aspect of the game as Kiki Jefferson is right now. Yeah, I mean, she's what you said. She, I mean, she's like top 10 in almost every statistical category in the Sun Belt right now. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of unheard of, um, you know, but she's playing really well. And, and you know, Oregon has always been a fan of her, and he called her the best player in the in the country at one point this year. And, and you know, she's playing really well. She's got her name on, you know, that, that watch list for the best mid-major player of the year. So, obviously, she's doing something right. She's, the, you know, the heartbeat of this team. But at the same time, they've shown they can win without her, too. So, I mean, that just shows how good this team is. They have a really good player who helps them win games, but also when it's not her night, they can still win games. Yeah, I think maybe the most noteworthy thing about her this season is you know, she's been a scorer and a rebounder since day one that she got to Harrisonburg. She's been able to do that. But if you look at some of her other stats, you know, by the end of this weekend, she may have matched her steal total from last year. She will probably have exceeded her assist total from last year. Um, she's doing a lot of other things that she's always been okay at, and like now she's like really excelling at that. Her assist-to-turnover ratio, her, her turnover numbers were high last year. Her assist-to-turnover ratio was another category where she's in the top 10 in the Sun Belt, and a category that you normally – think is reserved for the past first point guards the Carolyn Jamons, who's also on the list. But, you know, you think of that being her category, not necessarily somebody who's also going to be your leading scorer. Yeah, I think, you know, part of that, it just helps, you know, they have other people that can score this year. You've got Kozlovi, talked about she's been really good inside, but you've got Peyton McDaniel back who can score. And, and I think Carolyn Jamon also takes some of the pressure off of Kiki trying to facilitate the offense, you know, from, from for most of the game. She can pass and, and create things for other people. So, yeah, I think, you know, it – those numbers go up when you have a you know more complete team around your best player, and that's kind of what they have this year. Yeah, and another play, a key play she made in a close game last weekend. Um, she's never been like necessarily known as like just an absolute lockdown defender, but there was a play where um, Georgia State needed a basket. They take what kind of looked like it was going to be an open three, and she comes out of nowhere and blocks it. Later in the same possession clear on the other side of the court a girl gets the ball kind of has an open look but Kiki's sort of in the neighborhood and she doesn't even take the shot before the shot clock winds down because she's thinking it's going to get blocked too um so she's you know just kind of upped every aspect of her game and you know now they come into what's going to be a big weekend for them this week to play uh Georgia Southern tonight we record this on Thursday morning um and then a game I think Everybody who follows JMU women's basketball closely and who follows Sunbelt women's basketball closely, probably as soon as realignment came about, was like, okay, I'll be interested to see JMU and Troy play because of the success JMU's had in the CAA over the years and Troy being the equivalent to that in the CAA for the past, like, close to a decade. Yeah, Troy's really good. I mean, you know, they're, they're the standard in the Sunbelt. Um, they just do everything they I mean, Troy does Troy things well. I mean, that's why, you know, Neil Harrow, who is just sitting on JMU staff, was there for a good number of years before coming to Harrisonburg this year. And he talked about that, you know. You know, as much as he knows them, he knows probably them as the best, you know, that any opposing coach knows this Troy team. And But he goes, they do everything so well, it's hard to prepare. And you got to just hope that things work out. And you play your style, they're going to play their style and see what happens. And, I mean, Troy's going to come to Harrisonburg. And it's going to be a great game, I think, you know, that a lot of people should make their way out to the ABC because – it's the top two teams in Samba right now. Yeah, and if you're Troy, I don't think if you're if you're uh, Shonda Rigby, don't think you have to look too far for any motivation in this one. Like beyond the fact that you have an assistant coach who left to go 
to JMU that I, I mean, I don't think there's any bad blood, but obviously if you're a competitor, you want to, you know, kind of show him, Hey, that was a mistake <laughs> or, you know, um, beyond that, if you're Troy and everybody is raving about the new kid on the block right now, and you've done it for years and years, yeah. I mean, you're probably fairly motivated to come in and say, Hey, look, you still have to go through us to win this conference. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's, it's big also, you know, in this conference, you need to win on the road. And for Troy, they know that they've, they've won this conference many times. So I think that's another added motivation to come into a hostile environment and try to come out with the win. But overall, I mean, that four o'clock tip is, it's going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah. And, you kind of got to wonder if it's potentially any kind of trap game with uh, Georgia Southern coming in on Thursday night. I mean, they've they've managed to handle uh, some games that have been close against teams that they otherwise more or less overmatch in certain ways. Um, you you could do kind of wonder. You know, we you know resorted to talking about Troy first. I'm sure they're being asked about Troy all the time. You, you do kind of wonder if we'll see any kind of like hangover sluggishness uh thursday night against georgia southern yeah i i don't know i think you know sean reagan's good at you know making the the next game the focus and that you know they're not looking ahead so i think that they know one game at a time i mean they've had other games that you could probably point to as a trap game this year and they've, they've gotten out of it pretty well so we'll see what happens but i mean i don't think they're gonna get caught looking down the road yeah he's a guy who certainly knows what it takes to win a regular season championship and you know, to how to manage things over the, the long haul of a 30-game season. You know, we can switch gears a little bit before we get into men's basketball, talk a little bit of football, yep. as we tend to do every week. <laughs> um, nothing too shocking with what ended up being the week that they announced the – officially announced the vast majority of the transfers that are coming in for next season that they've already landed. I, I think, you know, we can talk in a little bit. I think we'll probably see them go after a few more transfers, but for right now, yep. 10 of the 11 that are committed are now officially on the Jamie roster. Yeah. They're officially on campus or in class, you know, I've heard some things. They're already, you know, on the field at Bridgeforth, you know, getting some work in. So obviously, you know, 10 of the 11, including two quarterbacks. I mean, it's going to be good. The only one that's not here is Trayvon Jones, who's a May grad at Elon. So will show up over the summer. But other than that, you know, they got 10 guys in mid-year. That's, that's a lot, and I think that's good, and it says you know what they're trying to do and get them in for spring practice, which starts up in a few months. Yeah, yeah, less than a few months, I think. I mean, like right. end of March-ish time frame, I think okay. early April. I think that's kind of where they're, they're aiming for. But <clears throat> and going for some warm weather spring ball, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think, somewhere, I think somewhere in there is, is what they're going to be going for. And, um, yeah, but, I mean, they're in the weight room already, so there's that. You know, the season really never ends for them. But we'll hear from Signetti tomorrow. He'll be able to talk about all the transfers. I mean, we talked to him on signing day, but he had to stop himself a few times because he wouldn't talk about transfers. He couldn't, but now he's allowed to, so he'll be able to. Yeah, I think a lot of people maybe don't understand that when it comes to transfers, there's not any, you know, set signing day. Um, some schools are going to announce them basically as soon as they commit and sign some sort of, you know, financial aid agreement or whatever it is. Um, some schools are going to wait until they get – a variety of paperwork. I know JMU was waiting on paperwork from other schools, even though they already had things done on their side of it um, before they announced everybody. But they finally got it done. And like I said, no, no surprises, um, but always good news. I think if you're a JMU fan, Kurt Signetti, his whole staff, that 
you know, you've got these guys on campus now, and they're not going anywhere at this point. Yeah, I don't. I didn't sense any that there was any worry um, that they thought that you know one of these guys would flip. Obviously, the reason why they don't announce them, you know, so when you look at well, how transfer works, like you just got to sign the aid agreement, and that's it's not a, it's a non-binding form. So a lot of schools will have their players sign it on you know national signing day for high school, and announce them, and all of a sudden the guy can pick a different school. So JMU wanted to avoid that. Just have them sign it when they show up to enroll, and that's what happened. But, yeah, they had a few other JMU-centric paperwork that had to get done. But other than that, everyone's in, and, and they're ready to go. Yeah, I think there's different philosophies on that, too. Like, you know, obviously, if you announce a guy on signing day in December, it's always a possibility you might lose him. But you're also kind of putting some pressure on him by making it, like, 100% public that, like, um, he's got to think a little bit twice before – deciding to flip even if teams are still coming after him and yeah. may, maybe i don't know I maybe mean, maybe teams no... like hesitate a little bit more if like somebody's announced that they're signed as opposed to just like verbally committed yeah jamie didn't have any silent commits in this class so that's one thing that you can kind of you can see that happen to it is just like a silent committed guy who hasn't publicly said okay i'm committing to jmu mm-hmm. um, but yeah they didn't have any everyone was announced so that's that's something that, that also shows that you know they're all pretty locked in because i mean you can have a silent commit in a class which doesn't it's not a bad thing they just you know other schools could still make a run it's not as public knowledge saying that you already you know technically told jmu hey i'm coming and so yeah that's the thing we can look at but you know it seems like they're all pretty hard committed and they're all they all showed up so they worked out for for kurt signetti and company which i think are excited for what they've got yeah and you mentioned uh how important it is some guys are in the weight room already um probably perhaps even more important is jordan mcleod brett griffiths got playbooks in hand they're probably out there with, you know, new wide receivers, old wide receivers, different guys out there. A lot of new receivers. <laughs> tight ends. Yeah, a lot of new faces. A lot. The passing game personnel is going to be vastly different than it was a Which, year ago with a lot of talent. But to have them already working on it and learning the playbook and doing some things here in, you know, January 19th is huge as opposed to, if you're waiting till not just spring ball, but sometimes, you know, July. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Troy brought in a guy who competed for quarterback job right as the season was starting and he played. Yeah. I mean, and, but you got to imagine he was somewhat limited in what he could do yeah. but based on his arm talent, what he could do coming in that late, as opposed to JMU now getting a couple guys who are going to compete for the starting job in right away yeah no it's good and especially you know the receivers coming in they've got three from the portal two more tight ends in the portal so that's five new pass catchers right there and then you've got a handful of receivers that'll show up over the summer from the high school ranks i mean there's only one high schooler that early enrolled dj barksdale a safety but you know yeah. he doesn't catch the ball so i mean he'd like to catch the ball in the game but not with yeah. The quarterback. but yeah so other than that it went well and you know we'll see what happens i they're still pretty active um in the portal right now and and I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign a few more there and see him sign maybe a couple more high school kids too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 11 newcomers already that's, on campus. Yeah, and so it's and, 30 new scholarship players Yeah, when you include the early signing class of 19. But when you talk about getting some more, where specifically do you think they're looking as far as position groups and stuff right now? I mean, you can look at, you know, the, the portal news seems to never end. Um, <laughs> you know, You can't jump in anymore, but... All the the JMU fans, their buddies in Fargo, are even you know losing a couple of guys here in the last uh, day or two. Um, is there particular position groups that 
you expect JMU to really continue to focus on now that they've seen what they've done for the winter period? Yeah, I, I still anticipate them picking up one or two more wide receivers. Um, and then you go back and you look on the defensive side of the ball. I think, you know, defensive back is pretty pretty high on their priority list. And then I think I wouldn't be surprised to see another defensive lineman either. You can never have enough depth there. I mean, last year we saw what happened. They had two guys basically quit less than a month out from the season. Their depth, they were able to skate by with what they had, and it worked. But I think you know I wouldn't be surprised to see them add one more there. But yeah, couple couple receivers, a defensive lineman, I'd say a couple defensive backs is probably what's on the uh, the wish list for Chris Signetti right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Anything else just before we you know move on from football in our you know weekly break into the football world? Anything else that you know kind of jumped out to you just over the past week or so, or anything to be on the lookout for? as we inch towards spring ball yeah you know I, it's not really has to do with spring ball but it does have to do with football and it seems that jmu listened to the fans what they wanted in in regards of ticketing because the visiting team's ticket section is no longer <laughs> behind their bench on the godwin side mm-hmm. jmu is going with the sunbelt approach of sticking the team farthest away in the corner as possible kind of what you know app state did and, and a few others georgia southern did it too mm-hmm. um so I think, you know, it works. So now that, that top left corner, when you're looking at the side of the press box, that's, that's the visiting team section now. And so the entire Godwin side can be uh, Jamie fans. Yeah, and there are some Jamie fans that like that old, the old side of the stadium. I mean, it, they're, it's a great sight line. You know, no no bells and whistles <laughs> sitting over there, but it is a great sight line. And, yeah, you were kind of giving away some prime real estate to uh, visiting fans. Giving away a whole section. And, you know, you and it's it's twofold. If it's a game like Marshall, where they bring fans, then their fans are there where they can you know kind of make a difference when things aren't going JMU's way. And if it's a game like you know say Middle Tennessee State, where they don't bring anybody, then you've just got like an empty, empty section <laughs> on TV too. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, that kind of um that seems just like a a, a no brainer of a move there. Um. You you, you mentioned like you know sometimes already do that at App State. At App State, those seats are still a lot better. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're in the corner, better. but they're, they're a lot the better than the ones that the App State fans are going to get this year coming to JMU. And you know that section is going to be full when App State comes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you just look at the uh, the home schedule this year as they you know unveil their season ticket packages and start selling those. You know, they're, they're excited about the home schedule coming up because they think they're going to sell a lot of tickets for games like App State for ODU for yeah. a variety of teams coming in. Yeah, I mean, App State, ODU right there, they're going to bring fans. I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia Southern won't bring as many, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Georgia, Georgia Southern's got a really passionate fan base. Um, but then you look at non-conference-wise, you mean UConn's coming, and UConn won a bowl game this year, I'm pretty sure. At least they mm-hmm. went to one. You know, Jim Morris turned them around. And so I think that they could bring some fans. But yeah, I think ODU and uh an app will definitely probably sell out their entire, you know, allotment of tickets and they'll be up, you know, higher than us in the press box. Yeah. And I would think that those games beyond the uh, visitors allotment, both those games should probably sell out, oh, yeah. generally speaking, fairly quickly, along with a few others. You know, yeah, UConn, you know, they've been down for years, but they're back and a brand name that, you know, the casual fan is aware of. Yeah. I think it'll be, I, I would think there's a good chance that they top both. Their last year was a record-breaking season ticket yep. sales. I would be surprised if they top that. I also wouldn't be surprised if they top their total attendance from last year. Yeah, I mean, last year's home schedule, just to put it frankly, wasn't 
you know, that great compared yeah. to this year. I mean, you got, other than, you know, Coastal was a good game, and you had, you know, Marshall's homecoming, so it sold that out. But outside of that, you know, ODU is going to sell out probably just because the amount of Virginia fans got mm-hmm. apt with the rivalry there. And then, you know, we talk about UConn. We, we're not even talking about a team like Georgia Southern, who JMU was in a shootout with at the end of the game this year. And, and I'm trying to think who else is on the, the schedule just off the top of my head. You know, you've got Bucknell, which is PFCS school. But mm-hmm. I think overall I'm missing South team. Alabama. South Alabama, I think, is a sneaky game. I think it may – I don't want to say it's a sellout. I think you're going to definitely have a, a high attendance record number on that. Um, but it also has the possibility of being a, mid, a midweek game, which, you know, those don't have a great attendance. But I think they can get a good atmosphere for it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see they um... – Last year, like when you put Marshall on homecoming, you put a game that probably would have sold out anyway on a on a date that was going to sell out regardless of the opponent. Um, I wonder if they'll try to like mix that up a little bit more, try to keep like the ODUs and the App States off of Parents Weekend and um, and and homecoming. You know, yeah, they may not have like a ton. I mean, but they have say in like deciding what week they do the they're going to do their own events. You know, they, they can they can make homecoming whatever week they want to. Yeah, you just may get stuck where you had it this year where they what they played five of seven on the road and Marshall mm-hmm. just happened to fall in the middle and that was like the only yeah. home date around homecoming time that you're gonna pick. But you know, yeah, I and mean, yeah, if you can like, you know, finagle that so that you know you not only have a couple of opponents you know are gonna sold out, then you have a couple of outside events that you can expect to sell out. Then you're looking at you know generating more revenue and just looking better on TV and in the, you know, listing every, you know, everybody lists, like, here's the attendance, here's the, you know, percent capacity, everything. You're going to look a lot better in that regard too, as you're trying to continue to establish yourself as a year in, year out, solid FBS program. Oh, for sure. And I think that, you know, last year was a good step, but now as Chris Signetti said, he wants to, you know, he said it at media day in, in New Orleans last year. He was like, you know, they want to just improve off of each off piece season. And he kind of, you know, talked a big game of how they were going to play well. And he, they backed it up on the field, but now, Next part of that is, he said they're gonna get better each year. So now, eight wins in year one. What does that mean? Do we, Shane, do we see double digit wins this coming year? I, I mean, it's a tough schedule, but you know they also potentially play fourteen games if things go <laughs> go as well as you'd hope. Um, so yeah, I think it's a quite quite a possibility. I think you know if you can open the season with a victory on the road at UVA, you set the tone to. Uh, is that the season opener? No, or no, it's it's, it's UVA's home opener, but it's I not think a, I think Buck, season opener. Bucknell, okay, the, yeah, Bucknell okay. is gonna be the season. Well, opener I, I think yeah. you can expect to win that game, <laughs> and then if you um, are two and zero after going to UVA, then I think because it goes right now, it goes you know Bucknell UVA. There's an open week, which theoretically could be Troy because mm-hmm. Troy's the only team in some that has the same yeah. week open, and then you go to Utah State. Um, week four so yeah which is not going to be easy and it, it's a tough schedule you, you three get road games in the you first get the two weeks. you get the two toughest teams from the west from last year yep the east is going to be a gauntlet year in year out and your non-conference schedule is not a cakewalk so with uva and uconn yeah, no. yeah i mean <laughs> i think jmu could even possibly be improved and still not necessarily surpass the eight or nine victories um I think double-digit wins is always going to be a possibility, especially if you get off to a good start. I mean, if they get nine wins or more, then Chris Ignetti will get a year added to his contract because that'll be eight. That'll be uh, eight FBS wins or more, and that's all he needs to, you know, extend himself 
which is an interesting clause. I like the idea. Jeff Bourne, smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. They but they've never done the VCU thing for for any sport where like no. you know we get the home and home or with the two a, for one or whatever. Yeah, it's a, if it's you, a home for if home you leave for the Power Five job. Well, it's um, a, technically for any job they leave, but yeah. it's a home and home within three years of your departure. Yeah, and the next guy we're going to talk about does not have that either in his uh, contract. Uh, Mark Byington over on the men's side of basketball, they hit the road for um, kind of an. Super important road swing after dropping the ball in their last two-game homestand. You, you thought after they win a couple games on the road to open Sunbelt play, they could be kind of sitting in a driver's seat right now. Yeah. But now they're going off to play two really good teams on the road and kind of really desperately need to build off of a nice, solid performance to beat, um, to beat Georgia Southern fairly handily at home yeah i think you know the, the win helps i think yeah. they if they win one or maybe two games this weekend it really helps them rebound but yeah they had a three-game skid that they didn't really want to be on and, and the win over georgia southern you know helps right the ship we'll see if it actually works yeah um you know you go on the road you play in different arenas you're traveling you might have tired legs you may not shoot the ball particularly well and that seems to be that seems to be a big thing for JMU is, you know, obviously it it sounds obvious, but it's not always the case that, you know, you shoot the ball, you well, you win. <laughs> but it seems to be that simple explanation for JMU at times is, yeah, when they're shooting the ball well, especially from three-point range, they win. And you're going on the road, you're taking, you know, you know Mark said that they have a couple of different connections to get to Troy and yep. then uh, a bus ride. A long bus ride. A bus ride to uh, Southern Miss. And – you know, Southern Miss is one of those weird, round, 70s-style <laughs> arenas where the sight lines are different than maybe what you're used to. And um, there's open space on the uh, on the sideline, the baseline, like, near the basket. It, it, it's strange. It's a strange layout. You never know how somebody's going to shoot in, like, a different-looking kind of gym. Can they manage to pull something out if – they're not shooting 40% from three this week. Um, The numbers say no, but we'll see. I mean, the numbers really yeah. say if Noah Friedel and Vado Morris don't shoot the ball well, then it's not going to go well. Yeah. Um, but I think that maybe they can will themselves into a win, but I think they're definitely one of those two guys going to have to shoot the ball well, I think. Yeah, and you wonder, like, okay, well, they've had, they've had enough off games so far that <clears throat> guys who are career solid three-point shooters – Hey, can you expect them to shoot well for a extended stretch at this point? Maybe, maybe not. It's 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 really hard to say. But they're getting into this. I you know hate to kind of keep going back to that homestand where they lost to Texas State and App State, but they win those games, which you really kind of thought they should win. Texas State was winnable. Yeah, you. Yeah, Texas State was winnable, and, you know, I kind of think, you know, App State was probably the game that they really should have win, as terrible as they played. Like, if they play, like, a mediocre game, like, they probably – App State's the kind of team that you should win, even if you don't have your A game. Um, but, you know, you take care of business with those, then you're thinking a split on the road this weekend. You're still in really good shape. Now you really kind of need to win – too, just to even start 
you know, feeling is more comfortable about hopefully finishing in the top four and getting the double bye when the conference tournament starts. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to start to get rolling at the right time. Um, I mean, this league is obviously a one big league, um, so you, you you don't you can't bank on the fact of you know getting it at large, which. Jamie could have tried to play its way in if they had gotten a win in North Carolina or at UVA. One of those would have really helped. Um, but right now, I don't think they really have an at-large resume. Uh, but you look at it, the double bye will help because you only have to play. Well, you only have to win three games in three days to, to make the tournament. And I think you know that is a winnable thing if you're if you are firing all cylinders. And Jamie's not yet. We saw it a little bit in that George Southern game. And I think that if they can start to turn the tide <laughs> next week or two. Start getting hot going into February. And if you can play the month of February hot, you can go into March. I think you're going good. Yeah, and if you just look at where the standings are now, what these teams have traditionally done, what they've done so far, the difference between fourth and fifth in this league is probably going to be razor thin. But it makes a huge, huge difference when it comes to tournament seeding and your path to actually potentially winning that tournament. And like you said, getting to the NCAA tournament – uh, which is what everybody wants to do. So th- these conference games become, you know, people who say regular season doesn't matter in college basketball. These are the things that do matter, um, even in a mid-major league. It does, and it also matters in high-major leagues, which I know someone's alma mater saw that, you know, happen recently when they got court-stormed. But, you know, yeah. beside the point, you know, regular <laughs> yeah. season does matter, and, you know, every game matters at this point for JMU and trying to get that double bye. I mean, Obviously, you're not trying to play yourself into an at-large, but you're trying to play yourself in the best possible scenario of winning the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see how they end up doing this weekend. We'll see how um, the weekend plays out for both JMU men's and women's basketball teams. We'll see if by this time next week we've heard any more transfer news uh, Possibly. For, for football. We'll have plenty to talk about when we come back uh, a week from now on the Purple and Bold podcast the JMU Sports Podcast from the Daily News Record. As always, I'm Shane Metlin. I've been sitting here talking with Noah Fleischman, and thank you for listening.